Welcome. You are listening to the Better Together podcast with Callie and Rosario Picardo. We take on topics involving marriage, ministry, parenting, communication, relationships, and other subjects that our listeners want to hear more about. Friends, welcome to another Better Together podcast with Callie and Rosario Picardo. I'm Callie Picardo. I'm your host for today. And with me today, I have Dr. Cheryl Bridges-Johns. She is a pastor and a theologian and has just really invested in college and seminary students for about four decades now. And she's currently doing that at United Theological Seminary. She is the visiting professor and the director of the Pentecostal House of Studies here that recently started. Um, And she has a new book that is set to come out in 2023, but available for pre-order now called Re-Enchanting the Text, Discovering the Bible as Sacred, dangerous and mysterious. So we're excited to have Cheryl with us today to share with us a little bit about her book. Cheryl, welcome to the Better Together podcast. Thank you, Callie. It's so good to be with you. And um, I think it's so wonderful how you and Ross do this delightful podcast together. My husband and I, we do things sporadically like this together, but uh, I, I really appreciate how you guys have turned this into something really great. Oh, well, I'm sure we're in for a great episode today. Um, Cheryl, tell us a little bit about this new book, Re-Enchanting the Text. Where where did the idea and dream for this book come from? Oh, my, it's been, uh, it's been germinating for years. And, you know, there are different kinds of writers. There are those who can just put out a book every year. I'm not. I'm one of those like maybe every 10 years or and it's got to be something I really feel deeply about. Um, So this book kind of has been on the back burner for a long time. I've taught about it. I've lectured on it. And um, it's um, finally, thank the Lord, coming to fruition and with Baker Academics. So I'm excited about that. And Yeah, I love scripture. Yeah, I think a lot of us say we love God's word, um, but somehow we've taken the mystery out. And I'm not going to speak for everyone, but I feel like a lot, even who say we're Christians, have kind of gone toward the safe text, the text that we understand that, you know, can, can, we can wrap our hands around a little bit, even if we are only fooling ourselves. How did we get here though? Because I feel like the early church really lived into the mystery of the Bible. How did we get to a spot where we were really kind of picking and choosing our verses and putting the Bible in a box? Yeah. And the, what you just said, putting the Bible in a box, um, a box is an object. And so we're, we're, Heirs of the Enlightenment, which has done so many wonderful things, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, you and I wouldn't be on this podcast <laughs> been for that. But uh, the, as you said, the ancient church understood scripture as um, 
holding the mysteries of Christ and had more of a sacramental understanding. And but they also all of that was in the backdrop of this great mysterious canvas, the, the cosmos that all of that was together. They didn't have this view like for us, we have natural and supernatural. Most of us in the world are naturalists, you know. What we, for them, there was just this one grand mysterious canvas. And so the world, we could use the term was enchanted using uh, Charles Taylor's language about that, that there was this sense of the mystery and the divine everywhere. And over time, that's, as you know, gradually been lost. Um, so that by you, by the time you get to the 20th century, people, especially as Max Weber cautioned a group of science students at the University of Munich in 1918, um, if you want to be a good scientist, he said, you know, you've just got a bare burden of disenchantment. Hmm. And just to be part of the university system, you are to be called scientific. You had to let go of the magic uh, of the old churches, what they were called. You know, he said to the students, well, if you can't bear this burden, just go quietly from the university. There are the arms of the churches that will take you. Mm-hmm. So a lot of a lot of people had to make the choice between science and religion or faith and um, reason. And scripture became part of this disenchantment process, all the magic taken out, just like it has been in the world, so to speak, and uh, became an object of scientific inquiry. And what's unique about that process is that you had the German universities and higher criticism, and where the Bible is kind of like layers of, of uh, you, it's like layers of human history, kind of archaeological dig, yeah. like, okay, what tradition is this? And so, and then, but the, what a lot of people don't realize is that conservatives of the early 20th century adopted a science and said their Bible study was scientific. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was more of the Baconian common sense realism, you know, uh, first principles, first evident principles. So they came up with the idea of a, a perfect scientific document that could be proven. There were lots of popular words then, science, proven, reason, and factual, uh, inerrancy. All of those words uh, were part of this era. And so if you were a conservative Christian or if you were a more liberal, so to speak, Christian Everybody was just somewhat disenchanted. And uh, B.B. Warfield, same year that Weber was doing his lectures in Munich, Warfield lectured at uh, Columbia Seminary, the Smythe Lectures, and pretty much said the same thing. Like, if you're wanting to be a good, astute Presbyterian minister, you got to let go of this crazy um, magic. um, And, you know, he went into Roman Catholicism, St. Anthony's, writings were nothing more than um oh, not saint anthony but athanasius and the writings of saint anthony and all of that that was just egyptian uh magic and 
So even the rise of the Pentecostal movement at, at that time, you know, he was very much against that. That was the return of the old magic, right? Mm-hmm. And so irrational. It was important uh, for people to be rational. The worst thing you could say was, oh, you know, the height in mid 20th century of all this was there's an irrationality about you or uh, let's not get emotional or let's not depend on feelings or let's not read our experience into the text as if we could just be purely cognitively um, a sense of uh, rational heads and not fully you know, embodied beings. So all of that um, is what we have inherited now in the 21st century. But there's, a, you know, as you know, a hunger for enchantment. Just think about the popularity of Harry Potter and Tolkien and yeah. C.S. Lewis and all of that. So I think we deep down hunger for the mystery, the deep things, and know that the world is much more grander and mysterious and not just the box, not just the object that we can uh, objectify, uh, scrutinize, own, uh, use in our defense. Like uh, I'm going to use these verses. And I just cringe when somebody says that, like you want to use them. Well, Mm -hmm. it might not be the best way to talk about your, your reading of the Bible. So um, my project is just to try to help re-enchant. Now, the Bible itself never is disenchanted because I believe that it is still um, born by the Spirit, not only in its writing, but in our reading of it. The same Spirit present in the composition is present in the reading. But we have become disenchanted. So when I say re-enchanting the text, uh, I, I really mean we've got to understand the Bible back into this place of a mysterious canvas in the cosmos and its purpose in salvation history and its place in God's economy. And Cheryl, I think you're, you know, I'm hearing you talking. It's just so interesting because I would imagine people hearing we're such a product of our culture that mm-hmm. even the idea of talking about the words enchantment and magic mm-hmm. with the Bible, I'm sure there's some people like, wait, magic's right. bad, enchantment's bad. And I don't think, <laughs> and I know you're not talking about magic, like witchcraft. But I think about my kids, you know, I've got kids that are ages five, four, and two, and they hear scripture with different ears. They mm-hmm. don't try to, they try to like figure out what does it mean, but not in a way to try to contain it, but in a, a desire to understand it, but they're able to hold it in that tension of, of the mystery of God's word. And I'm always reminded of the fact that Jesus said, let the little children come to me and then told us that to become Christians, we've got to basically become kids again. We've got to be born again. and. Mm-hmm. God never tells little kids grow up. You know, he never tells us to put away that sense of mystery, but the world has kind of forced it out of us. So how do we start to like in in going to God's word? Like if you were to, someone was getting ready to sit down with the Bible this afternoon or this morning, whenever they're listening to this. And after they listen to this podcast, they were going to go read some of God's word. 
how do they start to re-enchant again? How do they start to look at that Bible with the power of the Holy Spirit, the way it was initially created by God? Yeah, you know, children have this inactive uh, way of approaching stories and scripture. Uh, in other words, they enter into them, mm-hmm. you know, not stand back from, analyze so that I believe that scripture as spirit word, a marriage of spirit and word, invites us to enter in, mm-hmm. um, enter into this story, enter into this text. And uh, the imagination, you know, the capacity to see beyond the present is what Einstein said, you know, is one of the highest forms of intelligence mm-hmm. that he himself had and never really lost. So that we're not losing our intelligence. We're, we're actually tapping into a, a dimension of it that might have atrophied as muscles we've not used in a long time. Mm. But this capacity to allow the spirit to enter in our um, own uh, self, uh, our imagination, our mind, our, our spirit, and you know, there are what they call spiritual readings of the Bible, like Tio Divina and others, which is similar, you know, that you you pray before you read and you ask God to speak to you. And uh, there's a sense of opening to the spirit. And, you know, there's there's always ditches on both sides. Uh, there are the spirit people who just go and whatever the spirits kind of says, uh, and really are not being faithful to study of the word. Then there are the word people who uh, kind of discount any of that other stuff. And uh, they're going to do a plain reading. They're going to give, you know, the fact, factual truth. Those are ditches on both sides. So what I try to do is navigate this middle is that, you know, we're capacitated for this text. I have a chapter on reenchanting the people of God. And we are capacitated to know God. The Bible is a means of our primary means, one of the most primary means of knowing God. Therefore, it I, I use it's 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 an ethos, it's a space, um, it's a portal, you know, an icon is a portal in Orthodox theology. So it's sacramental and it there's real presence. Actually, you know, at the table of the Lord, there's real presence. Christ is there. Mm-hmm. In the word of God, as we read and study, uh, Christ comes. There's real presence. To acknowledge real presence is just as simple as that, I think. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we'll enter in with the prayer. Okay, word of God, speak. God, mm-hmm. speak through your word. Speak, Lord, through your word to us. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And I know some will you know, imagine themselves into the text. Okay, if I was there in this space, how would I hear it as if I was there in that day, as if Jesus was saying those words to me, or if I was with the disciples, um, just kind of sitting with that or with some of those different questions or heard others say to sit with what disturbs you as well. So if you're reading through a text and you're like, I don't like this. And you're like, skip a couple pages, flip forward. And it's like, no, no, no. Why does this disturb? Okay, God, what, what is, why is this in here? 
asking questions. Yeah. You know, I, I, a while back, I wrote um, an article, did a paper, wrote an article called Grieving, Brooding, Transforming the Spirit, <clears throat> the Bible and Gender, where I looked at some of the what's so called the text of Terah. And I went to Judges 18 with the story of the Benjamite and his concubine and the uh, mass uh, rape of her and her death, dismemberment. Um, and what do you get out of that? Mm-hmm. You know, where's the spirit of God there? Yeah. Um, so what I say in this is that traditional feminist hermeneutics helps us revision um, you know, we have a hermeneutic of suspicion. Look how look how degrading women are 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 being treated in this. But also, let's revision this. But th- I I think there's a critical move that they're missing, which is grieving. And, and there are some places in the world that you go that you might not should go without the spirit of God, that are dark, dangerous, scary. And I think there are places in scripture that you shouldn't go alone Hmm. because you can despair or you can become hardened, you know, Hmm. like read it like this, this woman is over there and you're over here and there's this great gulf and you might get a sermon out of it, but, or you can just go into it and rage, you know, like, look at this, look at this. But I believe that by the Spirit, you know, we can ask the Spirit to help us see what God sees in this text. Why, if we ask the question, where's the Spirit of God? Uh, where, what, you know, standing in the corner with this young woman before she's thrown out. Mm-hmm. Um, the Talmud has a, a saying about the Shekinah that whenever the people of God are laid low in the dust, or laid low, the Shekinah is in the dust with them, the glory of God, the presence of God. So where is God's glory? Um, There in the dust at the doorstep. So when someone is abused and trafficked or whatever, the best, you know, the question they ask most is where was God? Mm -hmm. Um, And to see the God who, who submits to abuse, the cross, this, this, this is, this is not unrelated to the cross, the story in the Gospels. And just to have eyes to see, ears mm-hmm. to hear, uh, a willingness to um, see the, the dimensions of the text that, you know, there are multiple dimensions, I think, to a biblical text. And sometimes we just need it turned a different way to see mm-hmm character or words and so it's new every day it's new every morning there's just multiple dimensions so an openness to hear to receive to grieve to to listen to um even abide in the grief you know we're uh you know if we i want to read through the passages in mark on crucifixion very quickly but Mark, you know, the gospel that's just quick, 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 quick until you get to chapter 10, 11, and then it slows down. Excruciating, which really comes out of that Latin excruciate, out of the cross. So he gets excruciatingly slow and forces you in detail to go where you don't want to go and to see. Uh, so 
the spirit of God is always speaking through the text. Yeah. And there's not one dimension. I don't like the term meanings because again, mm-hmm. that's um, thinking of our reasoning being in control, like what meaning and this meaning, which is okay. But I think a better way of saying it is uh, what dimension of this text does the spirit of God want to shine a light on for me right now and how might I faithfully enter into that I use this term again space uh, because I think there's a communicative zone around our reading of scripture that it there's a field a zone of of presence as we see at the table as we see in worship so in the word and um the spirit word, we see this communicative zone that's opened up before us, entering into the life of God. Cheryl, you talk in your book some about the culture wars and how different groups have used uh, scriptures to really combat against one another. With re-enchanting the text, does it help us with the looking at, like you mentioned, from different dimensions does that help in any ways break down some of those walls between people? I, I would hope so. That, you know, when we're in the culture wars, which have gone on for a while, scripture became a weapon in the battle and mm-hmm. one side versus the other side. And uh, they're sort of like verses used as lockets, I mean, uh, rockets to be launched out at somebody, you know. I. Th- um, one of the things about this understanding that I'm trying to project of scripture is that we no one gets to claim it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's not my property. I talk in the book about the whole understanding of real estate. Mm-hmm. It's not our real estate. It's not ours. Um, it's not on our side. It's not, it's not on my team. Um, I don't get to use it. Therefore, uh, everybody gets judged right and left and this and that. And uh, so that it, uh, we, we cannot claim that we have the, we have the biblical view. Mm-hmm. We can say as faithfully as possible, this is how I am discerning what scripture is saying. Uh, but it's always requiring humility. Yeah. Ooh, that's a word that we all need some more of um, oh, yeah. in our world today. And gosh, to approach the scripture with humility is, I think, a posture where we can receive and see God in the word. Cheryl, this has been such a beautiful conversation, and I know I'm sure listeners are wanting to learn more. Your book, uh, Reenchanting the Text, Discovering the Bible is Sacred, Dangerous, and Mysterious, is available for pre-order now, correct? Where can folks find it? Well, you can pre-order it uh, at Baker Publishing. You can pre-order it on all of the uh, traditional uh, outlets like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and stuff. I think it's on sale too. And it's my fault that it's coming out so late. Should have been out already, but um I had to double check on the places where I have lectured on it and you know, I had to do double footnotes and things. And so um 
hopefully it's coming out. I would like to see it out in March and, and we're, I don't know. We'll see. We'll just see. <laughs> well, we will look forward to it with anticipation and Cheryl, thank you for joining us today on the better together podcast. It's been a blessing to have you. It's been an honor and a blessing for me to be with you, Callie. Well, friends, share this podcast with someone who may need it, someone who's been wanting to rediscover the Bible as that mysterious, dangerous book that God created. So um, I hope this has been a blessing to you. And if you think it'll be a blessing to someone else, share it along. And in the meantime, remember, we are better together. God bless.